Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature and a honeybee sanctuary, and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. It is June 4th, 2023. It's getting hot out there. It's been weeks since we've had any rain of significance, yet um, we have a lot of blooming plants on the farm, from dogwood to black locust to different clovers, and the bees are absolutely loving it. So a couple thoughts today on what's going on in the hives, and we've noticed we've had swarms last week from a number of hives, which is surprising because it was just three weeks ago, four weeks ago now that we split pretty much every healthy hive, which is part of the uh, Darwinian bee black box technique, where you take the survivors and the strong hives from the winter and you split them. And uh, with the exception of a top bar hive that we were unable to split, which is really rocking, and that was a swarm that came in last year, all the hives were split. Uh, there were also two weaker hives that we didn't split because they didn't seem like it would be a good idea to to encourage that, but they're now picking up, so who knows what's happening out there. Um, clearly it's habitat, so um, clearly it's really important to have food and uh, water. We have uh, all kinds of ponds. We have two ponds. We have a uh, continually running is like a catch base in the middle of our farm where the water continually runs off the... the um, springs that come out of the hill and there's also uh, the waters from the pond end up into a ditch that ends up going toward the lake so there's all kinds of water coming off our property feeding wildlife all the way from our place down to the lake which is which is a great thing so the environment is good um, what we did learn was that across the road from us is a uh, it used to be a gravel pit, then it became a residential development. I think there's like five houses on it now. And there's a huge pond, acres and acres of water, and then behind that pond is a bush. And um, a neighbor, uh, one of our swarms, there was a swarm from one of our hives that uh, left our farm and went over their house and then across this pond or across to this bush. And the neighbor called and talked to me and said that some five or six years ago because they do a walk down there apparently the residents have access to walking through the forest there actually was uh, some bees kept back there about five years ago but then abandoned and they likely died from varroa but for some reason there have been bees back there and um, the person said there's also some bees coming out of some old dead logs they found back there so the exciting thing is that uh, it appears there are some feral bees across the street in the bush um, there are there's only one other beekeeper that brings in bees for uh, pollination and takes most of them back and I'm not sure if there are any bees kept on that other farm long story short with our 47 hives we we pretty much I think can blanket the drone congregation area with our different strains of bees and it's going to be an interesting future here to see how the bees progress in creating a local strain, if you will, or a local group of bees that can survive what's going on. Now, it's not surprising that I, when I mentioned Cuba, no one responds. So I posted on um, the Canadian, I think it's called the Canadian Beekeeper blog or something, 
uh, a great guy, and I love watching what he does, but he's, he's, ex he's an extreme livestock beekeeper. Uh, and I use the word extreme this way. You know, bees are put in a climate-controlled barn in the winter, or shed, I guess. Um, they're fed artificial food throughout the year, artificial um, food to stimulate the queen's laying. Um, they're they're treated. It looks like more than three or four times a year for varroa mites. Depends on the year, and yet uh, trouble continues. And there's more and more science on this. That regardless, if you compare um, the general population of treated to untreated bees, there's really no difference in survival rates. Um, so what you have is a difference in cost and effort. On the beekeeper and I, I guess you can call me lazy but I, I do like letting mother nature do most of the work I don't know why we in fact it's kind of boring here because we really don't have much to do um, <laughs> the hives were split uh, the boxes were put on that uh, we need for next year's uh, splits in other words when we have a, a single deep I put a medium on top with no queen excluder so that the queen can go and lay and do whatever she wants but then next spring we can simply take the top like and use that for the second hive should that that hive survive we also have five um, swarms that chose to stick around we have three in log hives we have uh, one in a Langstroth hive and they chose to they chose those locations on their own and then you'll see on Instagram I'll be posting today uh, a video of a hive that um, it's a warre hive. I was there was a small swarm on a walking path so close, and I had an empty swarm uh, box of warre that I was waiting for a swarm to move in. I thought, you know what? Why don't I try to shake these in and see if they leave again, like all the other bees I've done this with, and they probably will because I used a brand new warre box, which bees don't like. And even though there was lemongrass and there's some old comb inside. Um, so far, and it's been over about a week, they're still there, but who knows. Anyway, that'll be on Instagram later today. So, so if you look at the sustain, sustainability model, the swarms that we, that came and the swarms that, uh, that I, the one I caught if it stayed is basically meaning it's sustainable so that we replaced all the, all the highs we lost last year during the winter or, um, early spring this year. So it's, you know, this is a crucial year. I mean, it, we, right now we still have 47 highs. We may go into the winter with, who knows, 10? It could be all, all the way up to 40. I have no idea. Uh, the hope is we have some survive next, this coming winter, because this is our crucial winter. Uh, we have some hives in their third year. Uh, they were treated a bit last year. I gave them a little bit of thymol, a few of them, in, in the top box. Uh, and that was it. I'm not sure that really qualifies as much treatment one wafer, um, but I also did, and, and this is the interesting point, The I had some formic that was nearing expiry, so I used a bit of that to get rid of it, and those hives were not as healthy or survived as the other ones, so that's all gone now. There's no treatment this year. Um, it's. Uh, I may also do a trial of some splits, just a few in July to see how late splits survive. Should we need to, depending on what uh, what the population is in the next month? So I'm really am torn. I, I continue to be torn with, um, you know, I'm not sure. When I started, I was very much following the traditional. You know, you have to treat for mites. You got to feed sugar water, all that kind of stuff. 
And then as I moved forward, I realized it really didn't make any difference on survival. But you're still compelled to, to do some stuff. And I'm not I think I think we really are going to look at two types of, of bee um, husbandry or bee population growth, which is one is you you do the extreme livestock version, as happens in the um, blog I told you about out in Winnipeg or out in Manitoba, or you do the treatment-free approach, which they do in Cuba. Remember, Cuba for over 20 years has not treated a bee for anything, and they have the largest, you know, um, untreated bee population in the world, apparently, largest country with. Also in Ithaca, New York, Seeley's work, you know, in, in feral colonies or natural colonies, is, I think is a better word, in the wild, haven't been treated in their back to the regular population now that they've learned to handle all the diseases that can happen in bees. So it does seem that if, you know, you, you let bees do their thing and let them survive and adapt and give them an opportunity of good habitat, they take care of themselves. The biggest concern we have, of course, is that they're going to, in the drone congregation area, the queens will interact with other drones who are from heavily treated hives and the genetics or learned behavior will not be there. And remember, within one generation, there, there appears to be changes in neuroplasticity and the transmission of behavior through the creation of queens through the uh, royal jelly and other other types of transmission. So we really have to be careful, but hopefully, again, that's another survival issue. If there are other um, drones from hives that are, and queens as well from hives that are, um, you know, being treated every other week, well, then that's something we're going to have to deal with. And maybe in the end, it's not going to be possible to have a, you know, adapted uh, group of bees here on the farm. Hopefully that's not the case, but we don't know. We certainly will know more after this year, and as we move into next spring, we'll have a pretty good idea, because that'll be our fourth year, um, third with some bees, fourth with others. And if we have survivors after this winter, I think we can say we've turned the corner. And, and the target would be at least five, hopefully ten hives, survive going into um, next spring. This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. If you have thoughts on the issue of livestock versus natural beekeeping, it would be good to sort of think about that because when you're caught in the middle as I was, it's pretty frustrating because you get up every day thinking, what should I be doing today? What should I be? And if you adopt a natural beekeeping approach, which is uh, what we're doing here, I think it moves you into a place of acceptance that nature is going to take over and that means there's going to be pain, but most of it you can't do anything about. You have an amazing week. I look forward to talking to you again soon. To learn more about how honeybees can help you in your investing and personal life, go to investlikeahoneybee.com. There you'll learn how listening to the honeybees helped us in so many ways and can help you. Investlikeahoneybee.com.